You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the post-signing day edition of the unofficial 40 podcast, along with... Oh, my God, they just released the All-Big 12 team, and it's like Oklahoma didn't even play football this year. Uh, That's right. If you're worried about the Sooners' motivation heading into the Big 12 championship game against Iowa State, well, they don't need any because uh, not a single member of the OU defense was named to the first team, All-Big 12 team, uh, and uh, not a single, other than Creed Humphrey, pretty much all of the national awards went to Iowa State and other teams that aren't any good, like, West Virginia and Kansas State and who's that? TCU got one too. So welcome in everybody, the whole crew all here, ready to break down signing day. Uh, and as I said, uh, I I mean, let me just give this out and then I'll let everybody get reactions real quick. Offensive player of the year, Brees Hall. I don't think anybody has any problems with that. And by the way, this is all nope. voted on by the coaches, all 10 coaches. You can't vote on your own players. Defensive player of the year, Mike Rose, Iowa State linebacker, uh, Okay. Uh, offensive newcomer of the year, Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State wide receiver. He's a JUCO transfer. Defensive newcomer of the year, Tony Fields, the second West Virginia linebacker. Uh, uh, he's a senior, though. So, would he transfer in? He transfer in? Okay. Because you're a newcomer. That okay. means it's your first That's year. That's right. Offensive freshman of the year, uh, you think uh, Marvin Mims? Uh, Spencer Rattler? No, it's Deuce Vaughn of Kansas State, the running back. Uh, defensive co-freshman of the year. There's two of them. So OU's going to get one here, right? No. Uh, they go with Ashim Young from Iowa State, defensive back in Kari Coleman, uh, TCU defensive lineman, special teams player of the year, Gabe Eichert? Or Gabe, Gabe Berkich? <laughs> what? No, definitely not Gabe, Gabe Eichert. I'm sorry. Congratulations to Gabe. Treston Ebner, kick returner, punt returner for Baylor, special teams player of the year. What was the record, Eddie? Two and six? Uh, offensive lineman of the year, there's Creed Humphrey. Defensive lineman of the year, uh, no, not even Isaiah Thomas. It's Darius Stills, who's a very good player, West Virginia. Uh, and then the coach of the year, Matt Campbell. Nobody's really surprised by that there. But uh, guys, first team, second team, I, let's Eddie, let's go to you. I know you're just a ball of fury waiting to unleash. Um, what, what were your thoughts when you saw this come out, and uh, especially when you saw the All-Big 12 first and second teams? Well, when I when I when we you know got the little bit of a heads up, it's coming out, and it's like okay, I I imagine that we'll get ready, we'll get uh, some Ronnie Perkins stuff, we'll get some Nick Benito stuff ready, and then they laid it upon us, and I mean it's just a fucking travesty. It's a travesty. I don't understand what Oklahoma defensively had to do. I mean, it's not like they're asking to get some type of uh, award for the turnaround, but 
maybe a little maybe a little tip of the cap to some of the players that were able to be a part of it. I, it really doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not saying that it's. I mean, I I don't know. I just I'm I was I'm pretty surprised that Oklahoma doesn't have a player <laughs> on the first team defense when they're. I mean, they're a top twenty defense. Yeah, it's legitimately I, I a top twenty defense in the country. I looked it up. I, they are a top twenty defense. I thought maybe oh they must have really fallen to like in the fifties or something, but no, they're it, a top it, twenty defense. It would have to be something that we go back and look at, and I might do that this afternoon. How many top twenty defenses didn't have a single player on their conferences first team all defense? You'd have to be in the the SEC. Yeah, because there's just not enough guys. There's not enough spots, right? Exactly. I mean, they just have... Right. Well, this year, they're not really playing defense. I don't know how many... Let me see here. SEC, I'm in the top 20 defenses. Uh, Wisconsin is number one. They've played five games, and they're not very good. Um, They're Big Ten, though. West Virginia's number five. Uh, Clemson's number seven. I'm still looking for an SEC team. Uh... I no, that's Big Ten. Northwestern's Big Ten. Notre Dame's ACC. Wow, Georgia, the first SEC defense is Georgia at seventeen, which is one place behind Oklahoma, who is at sixteen. And then, yeah, there's only one SEC defense in the top twenty. <clears throat> pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, and I mean, we're we're two weeks removed from Alex Grinch stumping for Isaiah Thomas as the defensive player of the year in the league, and he doesn't even. He didn't oh, even get the player. Tweet. Oh, yeah. What, what do we got? Is I tweet? got something for the disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> there it Spencer is. Spencer Rattler a few minutes before. Oh, he's got laughing, laughing emojis. emojis. Oh, boy. The NCAA Guys. tried to they tried to keep him hostage this year, and now the Big 12 is doing their best to keep him down. I just put a here we go. Quote Coaches are just sick of OU dominating. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you got to think there's a certain amount of jealousy in this. I mean, really, it's like, oh well, they they didn't, they're not leading the conference going, and let's let's fuck them, let's vote on everybody else. This is our chance. Iowa State, I think, had nine people on the first team. Does Jeremiah feel like story. the exact embodiment of proof that this is just a middle finger? We'll give yep. you Jeremiah Hall. We'll give yep. you that one. Like that that feels <laughs> yeah. like eh, we had to throw somebody in there and who the hell else could fill the fullback spot? Like nobody in the league uses one. So boom, this is perfect. Um but you know, some of these are valid. Like I love micros. I've been a huge micros guy for a problem. I don't have a problem with that pick. But uh, guys, I was looking at it. Oklahoma leads the league in rushing defense by almost 20 yards per game. They lead the league in sacks in spite of playing a game less than almost every other team in the conference and are, you know, ahead by over half a sack per game if you just go per game. How, when you consider those two factors, you don't have a single guy on the first-team defensive line? I I don't really have a beef anywhere else in Oklahoma's team. You, you don't think Trey Brown's first team? Okay, I can get there, no problem. But I don't know how somebody among Winfrey, Thomas, and Perkins is not on the first team. That's just crazy to me. Isaiah Thomas I, is 10th in the country in sacks. Nick Benito is 19th in the country in sacks. The the PFF uh, grades for Nick Benito, he's currently first in PFF pass rush grade, first in pass rush win rate, and first in pressure rate. 
Like, I, I don't know what else he can do. It's fucking now, unbelievable. I, I mean, it really say, is. You look at the D line group, guys. Look at the look at the eight guys in the defensive line group here on the first and second team in the Big Twelve. Those are all NFL guys. How many times can we say that about the Big Twelve? Like, it's there's no question. It's a competitive league at that position. There's a lot of good players. The Jaquan Bailey kid is the kid that had like four and a half sacks against TCU. Wyatt Hubert, you know, was definitely a contender for being Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Joseph Asai is a first-round pick. Darius Stills is a monster. You know, I mean, there's plenty of guys there that make all the sense in the world. Guys, one of the ones that sticks out to me is the newcomer of the year on offense, Xavier Hutchinson. Compare his numbers to Marvin Mims, and basically he got more catches and did a lot less with them. He had fewer touchdowns, way lower yards per catch. Like, their, their yardage was very similar it just Hutchinson had 50 or 60 catches, uh, 50 catches, and Marvin had 29. But and, that's a uh, different again, category. New, new, uh, newcomer means transfer. It can it? Oh, so it only okay, okay. So I'm going to be like Theo Howard. I mean, Sooners didn't have anyone. Yeah, West Virginia, yeah, West Virginia, freshman is different. West Virginia's new, co-defensive yeah. player is a senior, but he transferred in. He was right. a grad transfer. And there's no leg to stand on against Deuce Vaughn. That that dude's a dude. So, I mean, no, look, they're Rattler's good players. It's you don't just... think Spencer Rattler's a dude? No. Oh, don't get me wrong. I mean, well, I, I guess I'm talking about it from Marvin's standpoint. But, yeah, oh, okay. I don't know how you don't pick Spencer Rattler. And that feels like the ultimate thumbing of the nose. Like, yeah, we're, we're, you can't have that one. I mean, although he's, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the country, but that doesn't count for much. It's crazy. I'm just looking at some stats here. It's crazy. West Virginia's number five in total defense, but 24th in scoring defense. Like Oklahoma's 32nd in scoring defense, but 16th in total defense. Like West Virginia's just got an odd defense. I've got the ultimate Homer comment, too. They didn't play the OU offense. Well, they played the Iowa State offense, and it did not go well. Mm, yeah, because they had all the COVID issues. That's where it started for them was in Ames. Yeah. They were missing a bunch of defensive starters in that game. I'll be honest, after watching that after watching that OSU Baylor game, I was done with COVID football. It's not fun watching. When you don't even have your you and your play caller as a GA or whatever the hell was happening in that game. My God. Well we have found one OU player not upset about the all big twelve first team and that is Jeremiah Hall. He is perfectly content with <laughs> what has happened. This is like when you get to a strip club with your buddies and one person's having all the fun and everybody's ready to get out of there because it's <laughs> 3.45 and you ran out of cocaine, you know? What? That, that, Eddie, that doesn't sound like anything you're speaking on experience from. That, that doesn't sound right. Oh, not me. I was, I was watching a movie. Perkins earlier. is uh, sure. not done. Yeah, Perkins obviously. is not done. Um, he has just tweeted again. It, One thing I, I learned I, during the last dance is be careful who you piss off. 100. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Osamoa just with the uh, laughing emoji. I think by the end of it, every defensive player will have uh, tweeted something by the end of this program today. I... And considering... And you know OU was geared up with Iowa State making the... Um, the offensive line, uh, the, the what is the group name? I'm just going to blank Moore. on the award. Joe, the yeah, Joe Moore you know award. they were coming 
and motivated because clearly this is a, I mean, Iowa State is, it's a good offensive line group, but they have some, some recognition now. So, you know, they weren't hurting for motivation when it began, but now it's, uh, it's getting a little ugly. Well, at some point you do have to just, you can put your smiley emojis out, out there and all that, but at some point battling this on social media is not the way to do it. It's shut your mouth, go to practice, use that as fuel and then come out Saturday. I mean, you don't, I'm sure Matt Campbell's like, shit, I wish they wouldn't have released that list today. Can, can you release it on I the 20th? Admit. Can we can we wait a couple days? By the way, mm. and just to reiterate, everybody keeps asking me this. Who voted on this? It was the 10 coaches in the league. It was the coaches. Yes. We haven't done the media one yet. I don't know if there is a media one this this year. It seems they like they haven't do been doing the media. Season media, or is that just preseason? I, I think it's remember. just preseason. Okay. Now there's, a, I think there's an AP All Big Twelve team, but I don't even know if they're still doing that. Right. Guys, as I was looking up stats, I, I always like Bill Connolly's S and P Plus. I did not recognize. Oh, the, okay. Never mind. Ignore this point because this is from a prior year, so this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> so I was like, that. Wow, that's staggering. And then I got to look in. I was like, nope, nope, that's not right. So, yeah, forget this. That was Josh's moment in uh, in a time zone or in a time change. So yeah, I uh, Iowa State wearing the black jersey Saturday. They are undefeated wearing those jerseys. Look, Iowa State. Iowa State's a really good team. I mean, it's just it's going to be a difficult game to win. But I mean, OU's really got to come out and play well. But they still lost thirty-seven thirty, and they played like shit up there. I I need help then because, and I do think that Iowa State's a pretty good football team. I just I can't get away from this feeling that we're going to see kind of a twenty seventeen Big Twelve championship when Oklahoma kind of ran TCU out of the building. Think that's it was a it was a competitive game that ended up not looking like a competitive game on the scoreboard. The only part that concerns me is just whether Oklahoma can be sharp. We saw them against Baylor just Mm -hmm. look so well. The only problem is Brock Purdy is not as shaky as Kenny Hill was as a quarterback. I mean, he's not perfect, but Kenny Hill get pressure on him. Yeah. Yeah, he threw the three picks against Baylor in the first half a few weeks ago. It's not like he's matured in something. But Kenny Hill would have folded there. They came back and won that game, and they dominated the second half. And that's the other thing. Like, the second half against Oklahoma, they came out and Brees Hall just ran right down their throats. As good as that rush defense is, I know they got uh, Ronnie Perkins back now, uh, but they took it to him in the second half in Ames. A lot of missed tackles in that one. Well, and I think, you know, as much as we talk about Ronnie – Perrion Winfrey is a different guy from that point in the year to where he is now. That's an entirely different animal on the inside of that group. And then you throw in all the young guys we've talked about. Marcus Stripling was not even a factor at that point in the year. He's become a good player. Jordan Kelly, Corey Roberson. I mean, Oklahoma now can just throw wave after wave of bodies at Iowa State. I feel like Corey Robertson's a guy that has played really well the last couple weeks. He's like mm-hmm. kind of under the radar. And Joshua Ellison, you brought that up in a post game, Eddie. Josh Ellison is really, you know, kind of flashed. Yeah, Josh Ellison. I mean, everybody across the front has played well. And, you know, you look back at that game on October 3rd, it came down to two things. 
in my opinion. The special teams gaffe, obviously the kick return, and that's going to be big come Saturday. I'm never one to forget about the special teams, even though there was somebody worried about <laughs> The other thing, it came down to third down conversions. Remember, like, Buki had a uh, pa- had a uh, roughing the passer call that extended a drive. Trey Brown had the, the uh, holding. The, what the hell are matter. you doing yeah. holding yep. when he had safety help over the top? They, you know, converted on third and longs to Charlie Kohler. It was, I mean, I think they ended up going six for 10 on third down. And when you do that, it's hard to get off the field. And you got to remember, this is the same team that ranks fifth in the country right now in uh, keeping, you know, getting off the field on third down opponent percentage. So, And then you you flip that, Eddie. That was the 19-yard field goal, too, because you don't have Stevenson. Sure. That very first drive, they have first and goal at the five, and then they end up fourth and goal at the one and kicking a field goal. Yeah, it was it was a definitely a weird game. Like looking back on it, it, it's almost weirder than the Kansas State game because the Kansas State game was just a meltdown. There was nothing you were going to be able to do about it. Shit just went the wrong way. Iowa State game. It's like the more you look at that game, and the more that I went back and watched it uh, the other day, it's like oh, you had plenty of chances, and not to mention. Jeremiah Hall scores in the fourth quarter to take the lead with eight minutes left. And then you still have the ball like that. The, the final possession, I, the thing that I can't live with is I'm not mad about Rattler taking the shot as much as it was on first and 10 and OU was moving the ball. I'm trying to figure out if Ronnie Perkins could make second team. Well, let me ask you this question. Should, Ramondre Stevenson have been second team running back instead of Chuba Hubbard? I don't have a problem with keeping Ronnie or Ramondre off because of the situation that they were in. Like, if that was another school... But what I'm saying is Ronnie made second team. Ronnie made it, so why didn't Stevenson? I got you. I got you. See, I would even go as far to say, like, just keep them both off. I don't have a problem with that. Sorry, I'm trying to ignore my phone. Um, What did... What did Chuba end up with on the year? It was so sub what we thought it was going to be. Was it still pretty good? I need to actually look at the numbers. It was, uh, he ended up, I had it pulled up here. Um, 625 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, 625 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, He played seven games, had 133 carries. Whereas, uh, I want to say Stevenson had, he had, oh, I've got it right here. He had only 382 yards on 65 carries. But he did average 5.9, whereas Chuba was like 4.7 or something. And he had more touchdowns than Chuba did. I mean, like, I I, I I get it. It, Chuba's the name, and that makes sense. But I I would say if you looked at the season and the way things went, I think Ramondre Stevenson had a lot bigger impact on the Big 12 than Chuba Hubbard did. Or I guess maybe Chuba did with his total absence from the year. He played a big role, but it wasn't. I don't, I don't remember any moment in the season you're like, well, Chuba just took over there. That that was him being him. And guys, don't forget, if you missed the Bedlam score deal from Dead Soxy, uh, they've got a holiday sale for you to take advantage of. Uh, and it's 35% off site-wide right now. Use your promo code HOLIDAYPRO. That's H-O-L-I-D-A-Y-P-R-O, Holiday Pro. Use that code for 35% off your entire order at deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Both Eddie and I 
Uh, love the socks. Great packaging. Uh, just all around great socks. Uh, they stay up. They don't slip. Uh, they've got the low cut socks as well. If you want to go for some of those, uh, but all kinds of styles for you, whether you're in the boardroom uh, or just out casually on the weekend, you can go with the crimson and cream colorways. Uh, but deadsoxy.com, use that code HOLIDAYPRO for 35% off a site-wide. Appreciate you guys supporting Dead Soxy and supporting the Unofficial 40 Podcast. All right, well, I mean, look, I, I want to try and get towards recruiting and a little bit of a wrap-up, and I know we got Big 12 Championship game coming up, and we can talk some more about that, but Big 12, uh, Big 12, all Big 12 is out. Kind of, there's our thoughts on it. I'm sure we'll have more as we go along, but... Uh, signing day is over. Uh, Savion Bird, the saving grace, I guess, of yesterday and that uh, he ends up choosing Oklahoma. Uh, but I was thinking about this because everybody was, you know, melting down early in the morning on the board. Um, but I, I know like there's been so many changes in recruiting and we talked about that in the, in the pre signing day, you know, podcast about how everything has changed. It's moved up. This is now the de facto day. But Josh, I almost think like it's also changed in that those signing day, you know, declarations, like that's kind of becoming a thing of the past too, because these coaching staffs work so far into the future uh, to recruit these kids. Like uh, I understand that you know there was the uh, the Alito running back last year. Uh, I don't, I can't, I, I've erased Jason his name McCullough. from my memory. I've erased his name from my memory. I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, I've erased his name from my memory. Uh, but you know, you, you, you're going to have some Michigan had some stuff yesterday. That's just cause they're, you know, so many rumors about their coach and all that stuff. Texas had some things leading up to signing day. Um, but really there's, if you're doing your job, there's just really not a whole lot of drama left on signing day other than a few guys that you might get here or there. You're absolutely right. I mean, to me, signing day is feast or famine. You are either waiting on those top elite guys or you are dealing with, you know, the, we, okay, we had to hit a fallback. We had to go get our, our C plan at running back or offensive line or whatever it is. There's very little, you know, of the, the middle of the road, you know, the, the doubles players, you know, just solid, good, steady guys. Cause usually they've been told, Hey man, if you want a spot, you got to get it now, especially this year when everything happened so early and there were so many commitments through the spring and summer. But yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It's one or the other. And the other thing that sticks out to me, and I'll be honest, it worked out well for me this year, was how early everything is done. Oh like, I, I yeah, feel that's... like that's been coming over the last few years. It has, yeah. And <laughs> to, to own it, I traveled yesterday evening because I was like, it'll be done early. We'll be fine. Now, luckily OU was involved with like Tunisia Adelier or one of those guys, or I'd really been in trouble, but it was just one of those things that that's kind of, I planned. I was like, they'll be fine. It'll be done. And it was until, you know, when the Tristan Lee thing went down, I was like, Oh God, this is going to be one of these days when everything just goes awry, but it is. I mean, the day just shuts down and you're usually, just doing wrap-up stuff by noon. I mean, you guys are interviewing Riley and Grinch and doing all that stuff. But for me as a guy that's just doing the recruiting side of it and the player side, there's not much to do by 10 a.m. I mean, once Nathan Rollins Kabange was in, we were done, and I knew we were done. North Northwestern was done before 8 a.m. because all of their kids were central time. That's just that, that's that's where that's where we're at now. 
And well, there was, I mean, the, the, you know who it sucks for is Eddie and I because we're on the radio uh, trying to make sure that we got everybody accounted for. And then by the time you get off the radio, it's over, and you're just like, why did I just spend all morning killing myself for that when it just went as easy as it possibly could? Well, you know, and I know like yesterday we had people, you know, there were some that were upset on the board with the way things were going. I sent someone to Chile. And there's a variety of, there's a variety of reasons for that. But I think people always forget anymore. It's kind of like, you know, we've talked about this in the past, guys. Remember the commitment used to be the big part of the story. That was the big thing is when the commitment went down. Well, with the way kids announce it and the, the way that we all handle it as media, we let them have their moment and their time. So really, it's more about making sure you're informed going into the announcement, and then recruiting is now a 364 day uh, yeah. involvement. Like the fit that 365th day, that's signing day. Like there's no drama, yes. and I know people grew up with that drama, just like newspapers grew up with Feb, you know, first Wednesday in February being the day. Like it's just changed. It's just you have to wrap your mind around the fact that it is all changed. All the work is done beforehand not the day of like you're not doing your job. If you're a coach and you're sitting around wondering, are you going to get five kids? I uh, muted myself. So I guess (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I didn't touch anything. It just, I think my computer tried to go to sleep or something and the Skype automatically (laughs) muted itself. No, I was just, I was just saying the, the, all the work is done ahead of time. And if you're a head coach and you're sitting around waiting on eight or 10 kids to make a decision, you're a terrible fucking recruiter these days. There's yeah, there, there's just no doubt. I mean, it's not like you said. I mean, like I said, it, it used to be about the commitment. It used to be about signing day. Now it's all that builds up to it. Signing day is just the, you know, the final line of the contract. You just sign in the paperwork to do what everybody expected. I mean, guys, there was there wasn't even any like, well, I don't know what's going on with Caleb Williams or I wonder where the paper is from you know, uh, Danny Stutzman, like it was as soon as their windows were open, oh, OU was in the first 20 minutes of that hour had sent out all the guys, you know, all the East Coast guys, they were done by 630, all the, you know, the Midlands guys, they were done by 730. I mean, it was, it was so easy and simplistic and that's, that's what it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to have these fireworks on signing day with a few exceptions. I mean, you got Savion Bird, obviously, OU's going to, you know, see what happens on Friday with Bryce Foster. They got a couple other guys still waiting, but there are very few surprises on signing day if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And look at Ohio State and Emeka Igbuka. I mean, like, he flirted for a little bit. He went on another date, but he forgot that he was engaged. And all it took was, like, two days for Ohio State to remind you, 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 we have a wedding We've prepared for it. You're going to come to it. You're not leaving us and eloping with Oklahoma. I bought a damn dress. You're, you're, <laughs> this, this is happening. And that's why as much as the, it was a nice storyline to talk about, oh, how are they going to juggle signing day in the Big 12 championship? Uh, they didn't really have to juggle anything. They, they, they've been ready for this. This wasn't news to them or surprise or something they couldn't handle. They've been working on it for months and months. I'm sure it was like, just a couple hours out of more, you know, that they didn't devote to the Cyclones. They had to do the signing day, and that's really about it. They had to do videos. That's all they had to do. 
And that was probably the done, sooner the, the that was sooner club the last robot. Night. That, that's what yeah. they had to do. Yeah. yeah, all the and all the all the video shit was done during a bye week a yeah. couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, let's get into the class. Uh, Josh, first off, uh, I know you guys were talking a lot about this uh, off the air, but uh, tell us kind of the whole situation with Savion Bird, uh, how that ended up, how serious things really were. Was he just OUs the entire time, and it was a little bit of a side story? Was it a little bit? No, I mean, SMU was a legitimate contender. I mean, people weren't wrong about that. You know, there were, and for all the reasons we've we've discussed and that really we talked about on Tuesday. There was a lot of family connection. He knew a lot of players in that class. There was, uh, I, know, I keep saying family connection, it, it, through the coaching staff at Duncanville, their family, and he has a good relationship with the Samples, uh, you know, father, his head coach at Duncanville, Reginald, and son, Rashad, who's the running backs coach at SMU. So there is a, there's a lot of connection there, and, you know, that was something – I can tell you, late Tuesday, SMU thought it was them. I mean, they, they really believe that. Uh, I I can say now there were there was a lot of chatter that about two weeks ago, Savion Bird had actually committed to SMU quietly. So, I again, I don't know that that definitely happened, but I, based on who I heard it from, I, I don't have any reason to not believe it. But like I said all along, his mother was very much in OU's corner. And from what, you know, I've already read an article in the Dallas Morning News, and I'm looking forward to talk to Savion myself, but everybody I've talked to is he basically sat down with his mother, went over some things, and then all of a sudden OU ended up being the choice. I don't think that's a coincidence. I I, I think OU, through the years, guys, and we used to talk about this being an area where OU really missed, and they made mistakes. They didn't know who to recruit. They, you know, if it was the dad that was going to be the decision maker, they'd made friends with mom. Or if it was the coach that was going to be really involved, they were talking to the uncle or whoever it was. They just always seemed off. OU is so much better about that now. And they knew that mom was going to be a huge part of this decision. And they focused a lot of energy on her. And I think that's really what ended up winning in the end. Now, in terms of uh, let's just get this out there. What what? What did not go OU's way yesterday, and what is still to be determined? Is that the best way? Well, to put I don't think there's any doubt for me. Tr- Tristan Lee didn't go OU's way. I, if he would have signed yesterday, I am more than mildly confident it would have been Oklahoma. Like I was, I was pretty set that that's what he was going to do. It sure sounded like it talking to people both, uh, you know, kind of on his side of things, talking to sources around Norman. There was a lot of confidence it was Oklahoma, basically from everybody but LSU. LSU still kind of thought it was them, but, you know, I was talking to people at Florida. It, it sounded like everyone was pretty sure he was going to pick Oklahoma. So him not doing it, you know, at that point and making OU wait, that, that's there's no way to paint that as that's good news. Now, everybody that's going to turn this into, oh, OU's lost him and it's all over, stop with that. OU is, would be the pick if it was picked today. OU is going to have to maintain that lead. That that that's not what they wanted, but you'd rather be in the driver's seat than not. And Oklahoma still leads, so they have got to close the deal now. So that that's really the only thing I would say that didn't go Oklahoma's way. I mean, you know, other you know, I know a lot of people had hoped OU would get involved with Jatavion Sanders. Uh, he signed with Texas yesterday. I you know I said it over and over again. I got no impression that OU was over the moon about Jatavion Sanders. I think if he had really pursued them, maybe it would have gone differently. But I don't 
I don't think OU cared about Jatavion Sanders one way or another. I think they felt like he thinks he's a tight end, and they want him to play as a physical defensive end, and those two things don't mesh together very well, and I think Oklahoma just said, no, we're good. And then, obviously, uh, you know, Bryce Foster still out there to announce, uh, but I think a lot of people w- wondering about Kamar Wheaton, uh, and you know, obviously not a lot of communication there. But what do you take out of uh, you know not having a signature from Kamar Wheaton yesterday, if anything? Well, th- that was pretty much expected. I mean, I don't know why Kamar Wheaton would do anything as a normal high school recruit does because that's just not that's not his style. He- he's going to do it his own way. I don't expect him to sign before this window closes. So, I mean, there's there's going to be some chaos with Kamar Wheaton. Um, it just kind of – and it's not even chaos that I think he creates. I think it's just he kind of seems apathetic to recruiting, and we're all not used to that. We're all used to kids that are very gung-ho and either want to make a decision or are working toward a decision. And it just feels like he's like, yeah, one of these days I'll get around to it. You know, like he's the – the guy, he's Eddie putting off a haircut, like, but his is just the biggest decision of his life. So it's, it's just kind of strange in the way it works. I can say, and you know, we've got some more notes that I put up on a, uh, a signing day thread yesterday afternoon. He reached out to Alabama, uh, on Tuesday night for the first time in like two months. Alabama hadn't heard from him. All of a sudden he reaches out, gets in touch and. You know, from what I heard, it just sounds like it was kind of a, you know, give me your final pitch kind of thing. And it it didn't, you know, he didn't commit. It wasn't anything where Alabama walked away thinking, oh, we've got him. It was just everybody was kind of like, it was kind of weird. You know, they they didn't know what to make of it. So we'll kind of have to see what happens, where that goes. But, I mean, it's December 23rd, obviously just, you know, a little less than a week now. It just – would be a huge surprise for everybody if it's not Oklahoma because that's really the only school he's seen lately that he's been around in a long time and he has some relationships with some of the members of that class including notably Savion Bird. Josh can we go back real quick to Tristan Lee and I just wanted to know if do you think if he doesn't take that trip to Gainesville does he sign with Oklahoma yesterday I almost feel like he maybe got wrapped up in the moment of seeing family down there. I know that you had mentioned that before. Uh, was that a situation, if he doesn't take that visit, maybe they do end up getting him to sign yesterday and nobody has to worry about anything? I think that's probably right, Eddie. I think he's one of those guys. And he enjoyed himself, you know, went down there. Um, if if what I've been told is correct, his girlfriend is going to be at UF. I mean, there's a lot of connections there. Um, and then, like I said, I've been told he has some family, I believe, in the Orlando area. So, I mean, there are some, there are some things there from what, you know, again, what, what you can kind of gather. Um, but there's no doubt he had a good time, enjoyed the trip. But I, for me, I mean, Florida feels like the danger school. I know everybody's like, oh, LSU and LSU, you never want to write them off and assume you know anything, but I, it feels like Florida's the school you have to keep an eye on over the next month because they have some track record. John Hevesy's a good offensive line coach. He's got a, he has some track record of producing NFL guys. And so I think you'll have to kind of watch that. But, you know, uh, again, with what Oklahoma, you know, it's such an easy, not an easy pitch, but it's a, it's a sellable pitch that, Hey, you know, look at, look at what we've got at tackle. Probably going to lose, you know, either one or two of our starters this year. The other one goes next year. There's going to be space for you to come in and take a job, but you're going to have to come do it. And, 
you know, considering all that returns around that position at Oklahoma, that, that's a lot, you know, for a guy to buy into. And again, his relationship with Caleb Williams is very pivotal in all of this. So I, I like where Oklahoma is, but I, I agree that that Florida visit felt like it shook things up just a little bit. All right. Well, I think one of the things that, and I don't want to say it was a loss of perspective, but you know, when you get to signing day, all the all the attention is put on Bryce Foster and Kamar Wheaton and Tristan Lee and Savion Bird. Um, but you look up and OU gets one one new signing on signing day that that they wasn't accounted for, uh, and they you look up in their top twelve class, their their average star rating is really high. Uh, their their numbers are lower than everybody else around them, and they're still 12th in the country. I don't know if it's shifted today at all. I haven't looked since this morning. Um, but it shows you that, I mean, maybe you knew about all these people, but it deserves a little reflection that you, guys, you got two five-stars in this class, a chance of getting another one. I mean, this is a damn good football class for Lincoln Riley. Oh, absolutely. I mean, guys, you're talking about a class that could have four of the top 17 players in the whole country. I mean, that's two of the top 10, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's two of the that's just unprecedented. Oklahoma's never even been close to that kind of number. So it is it's a huge class for Oklahoma. And I think, you know, I guess we all expect that because all four of those guys, we have to be honest, they're all offensive players. But at the same time, you look at what OU did on defense. Clayton Smith's a borderline five-star guy. He's got a chance to earn a fifth star. Uh, Kelvin Gilliam is a probably the best defensive line prospect OU signed since Neville. And I think, in my opinion, maybe better than Neville was. So, you know, you go into some of those guys. You look in the secondary. Latrell McCutcheon, a guy that was committed to Alabama. And this isn't well, Alabama walked away from him. This is an elite corner that Alabama wanted. And OU just fought him off and went and took him. And he's from Austin. I mean, there's, there's so much to love about that story. And DeMond Harmon, uh, you know, a high-level four-star guy from Virginia. There are a lot of pieces in this class that are really good. People don't want to accept that. It's a small class. And, you know, I know Lincoln Riley talked to you guys about it yesterday. They realized when the, when basically when all the visits shut down that this was what it was going to be. It was going to be a small group. They acknowledged that and they made that decision. And people can like that or hate that. But what we've always said in recruiting is you have to have a plan. They had a plan. They've stuck to it. Obviously, they would have liked to land a guy or two here or there. They would like to get Jordan Gilbert. They would have liked to get Bryce Foster. All these things that could have happened didn't happen, and you accept that. But Oklahoma was never going to go really above probably 20, 21 guys, and that was going to be a perfect world, which, you know, nobody lives in. You know, And like I said to some people on the board that were freaking out yesterday, this is what it's like recruiting the elite guys. You're going to wait till the last minute. You're going to get these dra- dramatic changes of direction in recruiting because you have the absolute best salesman in this business recruiting against you so it's not always going to work out your way it just won't by the way bob i bob i had riley really explain things yesterday like they could have went plan b plan c options you know they could have done things like that that they've done in the past but when you don't get to watch the kids in person see who you know get to look at them the measurables and things of that nature you you know it's not worth it if you feel like you can 
still make your team better in other ways without taking that type of risk. And that's clearly what the transfer portal is going to be. I mean, that even Riley has, has brought it up. And when you know if he's bringing it up in a public setting, you can only imagine how much emphasis is being put on that behind the scenes. And Bob and Eddie, I thought yesterday talking, you know, hearing from Lincoln and Alex Grinch, uh, they were just out of the Lincoln, especially went out of his way to praise the defensive backs. Uh, I think Alex Grinch called uh, Latrell McCutcheon an, the the ultimate alpha or something like that. Uh, and the love that Jordan Mukes got yesterday from the coaches, like you can tell, he's a guy that they just love in this class as a DB. I, I think you could just go down the list of defensive guys. And, of course, they're not going to come out on signing day and say that, you know, this kid's a project or anything like that. But I think that they're very excited. It almost felt like – and, Josh, you hinted at it, and I believe it was the cornerback uh, breakdown that we put up on the board as far as it feels like they accomplished something. And they being Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch and that entire defensive staff, I think they feel like – they got the ball rolling into what they want this speed D to be. And you look at the Nathan Rollins Kabanga. I mean, that's a really interesting. It's almost fascinating to know that this kid's only played one year of, uh, of real football. And it's almost like they get to mold him into what they want him to be. And then not to mention a guy and Danny Stutzman, Josh, who you're the only person that saw him this year for Alex Grinch to sit there and say that he thinks he's one of the most underrated recruits in the country. I think that says something. I think that they feel like, they started to finally progress. Like we've seen it on the field. This class in 21 was kind of getting the ball rolling. And then you look at 22. Could that be a really special class defensively? And if it is, I think obviously Oklahoma will be in really good position, but it just felt different. I, I think that there's a sense of confidence that you can carry yourself now when talking about the Oklahoma defense that. Yeah, shit has changed around here. They're starting to recruit guys. And I thought, Josh, you kind of nailed it on the head when you said, you look at the two Virginia kids in Gilliam and Harmon, and then you throw Latrell McCutcheon in there. Those just aren't guys that they were going to get two, three years ago, four or five years ago. Or Billy they Bowman. foundations for what they want to do on down the road. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Eddie. And I thought 2020 is the class where you started to see, I mean, obviously, it was Grinch's first full class, and you saw an idea of what they wanted to do. You had guys like Noah Arenze that were big, long, athletic guys that you know weren't highly recruited, but they had what they were looking for physically. Then this year, you started to see, okay, they're starting to move into the Rivals 250, Rivals 100 guys because, A, they had a chance to really have time to develop a relationship. B, they'd started to put some success on the football field, some things, good things out on tape, and then – I, 2022 feels like the year when it can really go to a different level. Like as much as, like I said, I, I like Melvin Gilliam a lot, but you look at a potential defensive line class of Tyson Ford, Bear Alexander, and Gabe Dindy. That's Alabama, Georgia stuff. I mean, that that's those are that's when you start stockpiling groups, and then you throw them in with some of the young defensive linemen they had, like Rollins Kabonge is a athletic marvel. Can you get him – can he figure it all out? Can you put all the pieces together for him? Because if you can, physically, he's a no-doubt NFL guy and maybe a really good one. So there are, there are just – like I said, it's just like what we were talking about earlier with Riley having a plan for how they wanted to work numbers. It's the same thing when we're recruiting players. 
We know what we're looking for. We've identified who they are, and we, we're not going to deviate from that. We're not going to get a plan B guy that doesn't fit into what we want to be. We'll go into the transfer portal. We'll find somebody that we can rent for a year rather than having to sign a guy up for four years that we know is not what we want. And I, I think that's what you're seeing a lot of. I mean, that's like I said, I, I love what they've done on defense. Ethan Downs, I think people know I've had some questions about him, but in a right role, Ethan Downs can be a very useful player, very productive interior pass rusher. Isaiah Coe, you're just getting deeper and deeper with those interior defensive linemen who can create push and can create trouble in the passing game up the middle. And, you know, like I said, you, and then we, again, in this, what we've talked about, we haven't hardly mentioned Clayton Smith or Danny Stutzman, big, long, 6'3", 6'4", big athletic guys that can run sideline to sideline. I mean, these are the prototypes. This is what Alex Grinch has been working toward. And not only is he getting guys in the 2021 class that fit that physical mold as he did in 2020, but these are high-level guys that everybody wanted. So he's you're just taking that next step forward. And then in 2022, I think you could see them take another step. It's kind of funny, like, just listening to Grinch and, and Lincoln, like, it, it's so much different. And I hate to just bag on everything that happened before Grinch got here, but the vision of what he wants, it's so obvious, isn't it? Like, it's almost refreshing to hear, like, him speak about it. And then but also at the same time, it's like they're not going to just go after basketball players. I thought one of the quotes that he had yesterday was pretty good as far as it, it was something to the effect of uh, you can't out-recruit talent. You still have to develop them. And – I, it, like that just says everything about what they're trying to do down there. There's no doubt. I mean, Eddie, I, like I mentioned with Jatavion Sanders earlier, well, and, and I, you know, I can tell you that some of my sources were among them. I mean, this isn't a guy, you know, people, oh, you got to be careful. You don't want to tend to this. You're just recruiting these athletes that can't play football. No, you need to be physical. And like the Latrell McCutcheon thing, he said, I missed that quote, but. I mean, Eddie, we saw him. That's dead on. Latrell McCutcheon is a guy who will never doubt himself for a minute. He thinks every time he's on the field, he, you know, you could line him up tomorrow with Julio Jones, and he thinks he's going to win that matchup. Like, I mean, he he has that level of confidence in himself. And I'm not saying you need 11 guys like that, but you need a couple guys like that that are just whatever happens, I'm here, I'm the best player, I'm going to win this this particular snap. I feel like – would this might be kind of a weird question, but I don't think OU gets a Danny Stutzman three, four years ago. I, I don't even know if they recruit a kid like that. I think it's more about like the vision of what they want. And when you hear Brian Odom like that, I don't know if you guys saw that clip that they threw out there from uh, the coaches show and Odom was talking about uh, Danny Stutzman. It's like I think Brian Odom would be ready to kill somebody for Danny Stutzman. Uh, I've had more than one person tell me, do not be surprised if he comes comes in here and takes a job. And this is this is a guy they know isn't coming in early. Like this is a guy they know will not be here until summer, but they think this much of him, both his talent and just his mindset. I mean, you have to remember he his dad played college ball. So I mean he's a kid that gets it. He knows what he's going into, what this is about. And I, I, like I said, I, I think a lot of people underestimate him, and I'll I'll be the first to step in front of it. I, I don't write in a lot of rankings updates, especially for OU commitments to move up, because I know how that looks. 
But he was a guy who was like, we're, we're wrong on him. We're, we're just way too low. He's a borderline Rivals 250 kid, maybe higher. If I had had a chance to see him against some elite competition, I, I could have gone much higher with him. But, I mean, like I said, 6'3", runs like a deer, is just starting to fill out. There is, there's a lot of stuff to like about Danny Stutzman. Um, you guys want me to tell you something that's floating around out there? If you got sure. some more recruiting stuff to fit in, I want you to do that first. Oh, I mean, we can, you know, we know I can talk to him blue in the face on recruiting, but if we've got something good, we can come back to it. Uh, Apparently, Rick Neuheisel reporting that uh, Ohio State is having some COVID issues and that a star-wide receiver has tested positive. Uh Uh-oh. And it's believed that others are affected. Ohio State... Aggies are going to make the playoffs. Ohio State, no, they're going to make the playoffs without having to play a Big Ten championship game now, aren't they? No. No. Way. That would be no awesome. Way. That'd be awesome if it happened. <laughs> the world would. Melt. I mean, the world would um, lose complete confidence in the college football playoff rankings committee if that happened. Which I'm kind of for. So yes. maybe I'm rooting yes. for Ohio State to make the playoff now. I want us to go back to the BCS model to decide a playoff. That that's that's the money right there. That's where to be. Yeah, apparently this came out uh, from a journalist that's written books about Ohio State. Come on, he's not a beat writer. Some guy named Jeff Snook, but then Rick Neuheisel backed this thing up. They're saying that it's not believed that the game is in jeopardy, but it's sitting here Thursday. So would they just cancel it, or would they try Yeah, they would cancel it. I guess who was... They would would cancel it. Wow. I mean, are you telling me Indiana Northwestern doesn't have enough cachet? Maybe Nebraska can help back them. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to sell an allotment of tickets to Nebraska fans. Shit, they would probably go. Just pretend our reds are red, guys. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to see exactly. I th- I thought I read where it would just be canceled, but no, I think that would be the plan. I mean, I, I don't think yeah. they move it to next week or anything. While Carrie looks, am I the only one that when a recruit sends out, I got an Indiana offer and he uses the Indiana logo, I see it out of the corner of my eye and I constantly think, oh, you just made an offer. Like I, it, I, I do it every time. It looks way too close, and it just at a quick glance, it throws me off every time. I could see that. I've I've done that before with uh, just like box scores and stuff, and thought like, why did why would OU be playing that? That must be wrong. And then it is Indiana. Hmm. But if Ohio State cancels, and let's say OU goes and destroys Iowa State this weekend, and they're a conference well, champion, Texas A&M will get in. Texas A&M going to get in. I don't know. And loses by to Bama by thirty again. Can't, but they're closing wait. the gap. They're closing the can't gap. They, guys, for, for all the A&M people out there, look at a, a look at how bad the SEC West was this year. I know that's so weird to say because it's yeah, been it the best division in football for a decade by by miles. I mean, there's just no argument. 
But I feel like there have been better A&M teams than this one, but they ran up against good LSU teams or good Auburn yeah. teams. And th- they're going to finish second in the division. I don't think they're particularly good. I mean, they're not bad. Don't get me wrong. But this isn't – I mean, like, I think about what – You were like, going to have this. 2017 Oklahoma team would run through that A&M team. Yeah. I mean, you were going to have this just because of COVID and the number of games being played and – all of that stuff, like you just weren't going to be able to get four teams that you felt really good about. Yeah, well, I mean, it felt like if, if I guess you're saying, I mean, because of this, we can't have a normal, you know, Ohio State or something like that. But I mean, you felt like maybe you had four teams that had a legitimate argument, and now we're probably not going to get to see them because it's just the they've already strained the. Uh, you know, ability of reason here, but I mean, God, guys, look at—I mean, they beat—they beat Vanderbilt by five. They—the Florida wins a great one. They—they kind of messed around with Mississippi State. They messed around with Arkansas. They clobbered South Carolina. They—and—and and then LSU and Auburn—they beat you know by a combined twenty-four points. I mean, and those are that LSU team is not good. And Auburn is not. I mean, Bo Nix is. They gave up twenty oh, points Bo to Bo Nix. I don't know what else to say. Unless, unless Tennessee is absolutely just quit this weekend, I think. I think the Vols will give them everything they want. I'm not saying that they'll beat them by any means, but yeah. I would not be surprised if you look up in the fourth quarter and it's like, yeah, Tennessee makes a couple plays here and there. Maybe they get back into the game. Yep. Yep. I, I could see it being like 31-17 or something like that, where it's not. Not completely ridiculous, but just a little out of reach. But I mean, again, this is just a bad SEC West, and they've not—they've not dominated anybody. Yeah, I, I. The thing that could really throw everything into a loop is the Florida stuff. Like, if 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 Florida beats Alabama, there's going to be a push to get Florida into the, and it kind of directly affects if OU wins, who they play in the Cotton Bowl, but. Like they're as as wrong as it is, people are going to stand for Florida to get into the playoff if they win the SEC championship. If if Texas A and M gets in, who would OU play in the Cotton Bowl? Florida, unless they go to the playoffs. Now let me Georgia? ask you this: Georgia, yeah, it would be Georgia. Yeah, if, if three if, SEC teams got in, it'd be Georgia. If Ohio State doesn't play, and let's say Iowa State wins, does Iowa State jump Texas A and M? No. That loss is too bad. It's just too. Louisiana's only lost one game this year. If they can beat Coastal, if to Coastal, Brandon yeah. Cajun can beat Coastal on Saturday. It might help a little. It would be it would be super funny if that were to happen though, because like, what's the argument that's always got OU into the Big Twelve cha- or into the college football playoff has been? Well, they're a conference champion, right? And AM didn't play for theirs. And yeah, they, what they if, were five touchdowns if, worse than their division champion. I mean, the real thing is, yeah, what if Auburn just kills the team, kills Florida? I mean. Who? Uh, I mean, Alabama. Al, what did I say? Auburn. What if Alabama kills Florida? Yeah, that's what I was Then you could be like, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that would eliminate Texas A&M in any way in their eyes or make them look better or. If Florida no, played a really tough that, game, it's still if, the Clemson can, if, if Clemson houses Notre Dame, Florida beats Alabama, 
And, you know, either Iowa State or Oklahoma win decisively. World gets crazy real fast. I mean, like that's that, that that's the nuclear option yep. for this this playoff. Um, when I think I think Alabama is going to beat the doors off of Florida. Uh, I yeah. think I think I, Oklahoma. I don't see Iowa State running away from Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma has enough. They they could do it on the right day. I don't think they're that much better in general, but I think they could they could run away from Iowa State if they are at their best. And Clemson, you've got to think Clemson is motivated and now has their guy back. And, you know, the best running back in the country, Kerry Murdoch. So um, they, they, they should be in good shape. Is Brees Hall, is that what you meant to say? No, nah, that's not what I said. <laughs> no, sir. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have no faith in the playoff committee or what they're going to do. They, they just change their rules all the time. There's well, data points and there's scenario, eye tests. I don't know there and... is a right choice. Like yeah. it's all football. It's You've got Alabama and Clemson, and then I don't know what. Yeah, I think the best thing you can do as an OU fan is just root for OU to beat the pants off of Iowa State, and yep. stick it to all the coaches that didn't vote for the players. <laughs> uh, and guys, and you know, and I know Eddie has talked about it. This is the this is a perfect year to go to the Cotton Bowl and beat Georgia, beat A and M, or do that, and then have all that momentum moving into twenty twenty one. Have it, you know, we beat a good team in a bowl in a major bowl game. Go for it. And you know what? Maybe then, as good as I think they can be, they don't want Clemson and Alabama this year. They don't want. And you know what? Maybe then you have a chance. Like if you if you snuck into the playoffs and got beat again in the first round versus that scenario. Where you go to the Cotton Bowl, play an SEC team, look really good doing it, set yourself up for next year. Maybe that's what you need to convince Ronnie Perkins to come back next year. Ramondre Stevenson. Hell, well, maybe I mean, Isaiah Thomas says, you know what, I could go to the NFL, but I might want to come back and try and win a national championship next year. What do you think of the Jamar Kane thing yesterday? In no way do I think that. It was a, these guys are coming back declaration. But no. it right. perked the ears up. And I have to think that if it hasn't been a formal conversation, they're thinking about that shit. Like, I could buy Ronnie leaving and everybody coming back. I could buy that right now. Especially with what he's been through with the NCAA. Like, yeah. that they can just take his, you know... And then the whole thing about him saying, you know, he just wanted to put another game on film, like that made you think, oh, he definitely is trying to get out of here. But yeah. the other thing I is, know, I don't, man, I, Jamar Kane has not been around long enough, and he's not the guy they're dealing with in, in determining whether they're going to stay or go. That's Lincoln. And sure. to some extent, I bet Alex Grinch. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I don't know. I mean, I... I guess in a way, it's like, how did Dabo talk all those guys into coming back for another year? Yeah. And that was after a full – but like, I, I think the pitch would have to be, and it's it's something that a lot of people have already talked about as far as the expectations in 21. You have to sell them this idea that you could build somewhat of a legacy in Norman if you come back and you make a run at a national title, a legitimate run at a national title. Yeah. And like you said, if the season finishes off with a Cotton Bowl win, an impressive win, you're going to be top three going into next season. Trevor Lawrence will be gone. Of course, I'll have Ugalele or whatever his name is. There's there's no better 
I mean, there's just absolutely no better way to build momentum into what should be a big summer when, you know, I, as much as, you know, we, we don't want to talk about it, it's like as much as, as you build into the summer, it's, you know, everything's going to get back to normal in a way almost. It's just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what, what that kind of that discussion's like here in the next few months, or I guess next month, really, uh, as we go into, uh, you know, December in, in, in 2021. I, I don't know. I did want to get Josh, your thoughts on, uh, a little bit of more recruiting stuff as far as the offensive side of the ball, because it was very obvious that uh, Riley's pretty excited about the wide receiver unit. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, and the thing you like about this receiver group is there is just a lot of variety. I mean, kind of depending on what you're looking for, they've got a little bit of everything. You've got Cody Jackson, who's the pure vertical guy going to stretch. And I know the comp keeps being made to Charleston Rambo. And I, there's something to that. There is. But I think Cody has a little more wiggle. He's a little bigger in frame um, and, and is considerably bigger than Charleston was at the same point in time. I mean, people think of Charleston as lean now. In high school, Charleston was skin and bones. I mean, he, he was a, you know, just a real long kind of you know, just arms and legs everywhere kind of guy. Cody's a little more developed. He's a little bit better in the air. I, I would say he's a better prospect, but I mean, there are similarities in the way that they're going to win. Uh, they want to challenge vertically. They want to get behind corners. That That's where they're at their best. Uh, Mario Williams is just your open field wonder. Uh, you know, I can't help but wonder if Oklahoma is going to do some return stuff with him. Um, and another guy that's a little bigger than you think he is. He's kind of powerfully built in the lower body. Never going to be the 210-pound receiver, but is a is kind of one of those guys that almost looks like a like – a, a small running back in the way he's put together. He's a little different than your normal. He's not Marquise Brown, I guess would be the best way to say it. And then finally, Jalil Farouk's a little bit of everything. And, you know, Eddie, I know you saw a lot of Sterling in high school, and Bob, I know you did too. When I watch him, I see some Sterling Shepard in his game. The way he plays, he's not going to beat you with speed all the time, but he's got great hands, really good in the air, a lot of body control plays that you see him make. So, like I said, I just think there's a little bit of everything in this receiver group. And when you stick them with Marvin Mims in front of them and then the three receivers they've already got committed for 2022, that receiver room is just going to be ridiculous for the foreseeable future. It's really impressive. They, You know, until you said that in, in one of the breakdowns that we put up about uh, the wide receivers and Sterling, it, I I. It, as soon as you said it, I, we had a clip of him uh, diving for a or jumping for a ball in uh, the back of the end zone at one of the camps. And I was like, yep, I've seen that before. And I, I can't help but wonder if it's the number. I mean, because they both wear that three. I mean, like that sure. that's part of it. But their frames are some of there's just a lot that I kind of compare. But, I mean, you know, for those that haven't heard me say it, Jalil Farouk's a guy that I think could end up on defense if Oklahoma can talk him into it. Now, I'm not saying that's their plan. I, I don't want to get that out there because that's not correct. But he is so skilled with the ball in the air as like a, as a free safety type of guy. And, again, has that frame. He's physical enough. He could handle it. I, I think that's an interesting possibility. And then, again, we, we have Billy Bowman, who, you know, uh, I know um, listening to some of the coaching show stuff, Kale Gundy just said, wait, you know, we're going to let him kind of start wherever he wants to start, and we'll go from there. Um, and I, I would be shocked if Billy doesn't want to start at receiver. But if, if that doesn't work out and they can say, hey, you know, look what 
Look what's going on with Devon Graham. Look what's going on with Woody Washington. I mean, we've got these guys at DB that are really starting to emerge, and there's playing time to be had there with Trey Brown gone and, you know, some of the other guys that are a little older in the, the DB group. You could come in there and make an impact early, or you're going to have to slog through all these talented receivers we have, um, you know, all the five stars from a couple years before you and Marvin Mims and all these guys. Or you could, you know, really fight for playing time as a freshman in, in the secondary. You just saying that just made me realize how confusing it's going to be trying to figure out who has how much eligibility left next year. Oh, it's going to be insane. No, because, like, are, will they advance kids? Like, will sophomores be juniors? Or will they just leave them as sophomores? Well, and, and Terry, like, that's the question for me. Like, how does a coach have that conversation? It's like, Okay, you were gonna we're gonna keep you as a sophomore, but you you can go on ahead and go on to junior year. You don't need that extra time here. Like, I I wonder how they present that because you know there's a few guys that they're like, well, we need your clock to keep running, and there's a couple of guys like Jaden Hazelwood. You stay as long as you want to, Jaden. You you just you haven't hardly gotten to play. We don't want you to waste that sophomore year. You come on back. But I mean, it's, that's just going to be the interesting part. I mean, Trey Brown can come back if he wants to. We know that's not his plan, but he can come back. Brian Mead could be back for another year. Eric Swenson could okay, be back. Okay. You're just for trying to get year. people to riot right now. Okay. Stop I, it. I, I mean, these, you know, one, hey, take the good, good with the bad. Ramondre Stevenson can come back. I mean, Laron Stokes could be back. John Michael Terry could be back. OU's rush linebacker position could be ridiculous with talent next year. I mean, I don't know where most of those people are going to go. And I would say this. I don't think Isaiah Thomas, I mean, he could get hurt. But I don't think he could do anything but help himself coming back another year. Agreed. Guys, we've all seen it. We know what the difference is. I mean, even just if you want to look at it monetarily, like people can say, oh, well, you know, he could get in there and start making his NFL money. Man, you don't ever make up that first contract. Whatever that first contract is, you will never get that money back if you are a fifth-round pick as opposed to waiting a couple years and being a first or second or third rounder. The money is just so different. I think a great example, Kerry, is Jimmy Wilkerson. He yeah, went early. Yeah. He was a fifth-round pick, had a long, good NFL career, but you can't deny if he'd have come back for another year, he clearly had the NFL talent. If he'd have come back for one more year, maybe he's a second round pick and that first contract is worth three or four million instead of, you know, one point two. It's just a very different thing. He was kind of right at that demarcation line where guys just started eventually going, I don't care where I'm gonna be drafted, I just wanna go. Yep. Yep. I, I think Anytime you're willing to go and there's a chance you're going to be a fifth rounder, I think maybe school wasn't what you were, you know. You, yeah, some you guys' school just school. isn't for you. But, I mean, the way things work now, I mean, guys are graduating in three years and they're having to go to grad school. And, like, you might have to get a second master's in order to stay next year. I mean, like Caleb Kelly, he's working on his master's now. Hell, he might have it done yep. as far as I know. So, um. Boy, anything else that we want to hit on before we get out of here just about the class or the, the game coming up Saturday? Bob, no, I, Bob no, might have taken no, off on no, baby think, duty. Oh, nope, there he is. Checked off all of the boxes. Think we're good. Hey, hey, the one thing we should say, Caleb Williams is is, is really good quarterback. Like, Thank you. 
They got the number five player in the country, number one overall quarterback, and we literally haven't mentioned him until now. That that tells you how much signing day is not the story. Like it, it, for people to have it in perspective, like it's easy to forget that you've got maybe the most coveted player in the country because you've got the best quarterback in the country. That's old news at Oklahoma, though. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's crazy that you can forget those sort of things so easily. Did did we hit on Kamar? Wheaton, as far as just kind of where everything stands? Yeah, I thought we yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Old Alabama out, for the it. first time in a while and all that stuff. Um, maybe this about Caleb Williams. Maybe there's such a thing as too much exposure. Either that, I guess I don't have to follow him on social media. Oh, I think that it's just one of he has nothing else to do, Gary. I mean, yeah, doesn't have really school to go to right now. Uh, I mean, he's just kind of chilling. It's like he's on vacation. There will be there will come a time, I think, where he shuts it down a little bit and goes because I think Rattler kind of went through the same thing. And I, it, it's kind of interesting. He's not going to have as much as I've shit on him. I know what about is about to come out of my mouth. He's an NFL starting quarterback now, but. Like, I do think that Jalen Hurts played a role in the helping <laughs> development of Spencer Rattler. No, there's no doubt. I mean, it was really interesting seeing some of the Eagles players' uh, comments after that game. Oh, they, I, they would, they're ready to tear down the place for him. And, you know, as much as I might dislike him, that says something. I mean, his teammates obviously love the guy. They noticed that. He has something that Carson Wentz did not, which is interesting. It's probably because he talks to them and he would never talk to us. I think that's what it is. I'm just jealous. I'm jelly. I'm a baby back bitch jelly. <laughs> no, there's part of that. We never got to know him. No, we that is who true. I mean, compared really to is. compared to Baker, nobody really right measures up. No, and I don't think that. I mean, it, it would be hard to ever really have. Have that shoe filled, if you will. Yeah, and we're not getting no Rattler through Zoom. I mean, that's that's been pointless, trying to see who he is throughout this season. I mean, the branding stuff is going to be interesting. How much that's going to change everything, like exposure, availability, uh, access. Like, because you would think when you start representing, like, brands and companies, like, you're going to have to put yourself out there more than what a college is used to doing. More media blitzes and things like that. And I don't know if we'll, we'll get that, to that point. You think that'll be stuff that, not necessarily that we're asked to do by any means, but <laughs> will, will the media uh, be able to, I don't know. I mean, it's the week of the Big 12 championship and we talked to, Three players. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, I mean, if if, if uh, Caleb Williams has a deal with, uh, I don't know, let's say a, a hat company, and he's releasing a new hat after the Big 12 championship, I'm sure his hat company will contact us and say, hey, we'd love to have Caleb Williams on to tell everybody about his new hat coming out. That would be something. I don't know if I'm ready to see a world like that. That it's just going to be, it's going to take a lot of getting used to. Hopefully, it would be a hat that people would want to buy, and not like a Cam Newton hat, like a huge ass 
boa with feathers all over the place. With like a metal rim on it or something. Can you imagine if Spencer Rattler takes a knee during the national anthem and then tries to distribute like a rainbow colored boa? The olds would literally, they would have a meltdown. Look, that's what's going to be interesting is, is, is you're in a college town, a fairly conservative fan base. Like, the companies that are going to be involved with this, they're going to want to be involved with someone that can help them reach out to, you know, potential customers or whatever. I mean, it's not, like, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, it's it's going to be weird. And then, I don't know I'm if you guys sorry. saw the stuff that, that they're trying to institute uh, with the government, but basically telling colleges... Yeah, this is what you're going to do, not what you yeah, want to do. I saw the legislation that was proposed this morning by, uh, it was it Cory Booker and some other liberal up there. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> I, I think it's, I mean, it's going to be good. It's good for college athletics. It needs to happen. Yeah, it's an outdated model, but at the same time, you can't take, you know, all of the money that is used for football scholarship and give it to the players. That's not how college athletics operates. You have to come to some kind of a common ground there. No, you're right. That's true. There's going to be a lot of uh, speed bumps ahead as far as how they implement it because, and let's face it, there's going to be a lot of people with their hands out. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's going to be stories of kids that get f***ed over by some company because they didn't. And I guess maybe is that where the compliance will come in and, Everything's going to have to be approved and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, and they want to have like an oversight committee that has nothing to do with the NCAA that approves all that stuff. But yeah, you know the NCAA is just sitting back waiting for the first time that some kid is you know representing some company that gets raided by the SEC or something. <laughs> well, you know how that goes, though. You get your money, and then you don't worry about it. No doubt. Maybe we'll get maybe rock and roll tequila will sponsor uh, Caleb Williams' career. How cool would that be? <laughs> You'd think they'd want more like a defensive guy though, since Bob's involved. Like Ronnie Perkins, I'm Ronnie Perkins for rock and roll tequila. So if Ronnie Perkins comes back to school, we can just go ahead and make the rumor that rock and roll tequila is giving him five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I'm down for it. All right. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Uh, Big 12 championship. Uh, I hope Ronnie Perkins does commercial from, uh, where is it? Jalisco, Mexico. The, uh, what are the mountains called? I think that's right. I can't. Uh, I th that's the name of the tequila, right? The Jalisco. Yeah. like No, that's the aguave. Or no, it's the aguave found in Jalisco. Okay. Okay. I'm not a, my chances of being a front man for him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Big 12 championship coming up. Signing day behind us. We'll continue to have great content at the website. I mean, we just, you guys just killed it yesterday with all the traffic. One of the highest traffic days that I've ever seen. Uh, I, you guys make all the site going down jokes, so I don't have to make them. Um, we stayed up. Uh so, but yeah, we appreciate everybody uh, coming to the scoop and checking it out and spending time on the boards and all that, all the fighting, all the uh, what have you. What? Uh, but anyway, uh, 
we'll have full coverage of the Big 12 Championship uh, pre and post game. So stay uh, on the site for that. Also, uh, the uh, Eskridge Lexus post game podcast. We'll be bringing that to you. They're they're gonna kick me and Bob out of the press box they're as fast as they possibly out. can. Yeah. Uh, we already got warnings that you better get your asses out of here because we got to prep this thing for the Cowboys tomorrow with all our COVID protocols. Uh, so I don't know how that's, how how all that's going to work, but Eddie and I have done some interesting podcasts this year on the post game. We'll probably be doing another one uh, Saturday. But uh, all Big Twelve team is out. Get your outrage out before the game starts, and uh, we'll see how this all plays out because it should be really interesting on Saturday. You're gonna have a lot of fired up guys. Uh, on that Oklahoma team before that game starts. So uh, appreciate Josh uh, joining us, even though uh, he's on a family trip right now. Appreciate Bob and Eddie. Uh, I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys right back here again uh, for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.